You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Ooh, that's a bingo. Back on the Pipeline Show, we start this uh, week's episode uh, heading out to Halifax. We're going to look at the Memorial Cup, update everybody on what's happening out there. My CHL insider today, uh, one of our best uh, that we get on a regular basis here on the Pipeline Show, Terry Doyle, voice of the Sarnia Sting and a uh, longtime uh, broadcaster covering the Ontario Hockey League. You're out in uh, Halifax, uh, Terry. Thanks for taking the time out uh, off the patio uh, to, to join me today. Um, let's start with uh, what's happened so far. Anything really shocking in your mind? What's the biggest story uh, right now uh, at the Memorial Cup? Oh, well, I think it was a combination, uh, you know, on the ice, uh, the you know, the disappointment of the Prince Albert Raiders that uh, just couldn't get their wheels going after uh, losing the first game against uh, the Halifax Mooseheads and then uh, continued on from there. It looked like they were going to... Uh, take a run at Ruin Naranda in their uh, second game, but uh, Husky's able to beat them. And then uh, after that, the Gulf Storm able to uh, sort of finish it off and finish off the Raiders. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of the talk, of course, going into the final game of the round robin was uh, the math that we had to deal with, with all the uh, tie-breaking scenarios with Uh three teams uh, finishing at 2-1, and as it turned out. And, uh, yeah, everybody's talking about the weather here, too. It's not been good, except uh, now we get into Thursday, and it's uh, been a lot nicer. But uh, other than that, it's been a little chilly. Let's say I didn't pack... uh, enough warm clothes for the week all right uh, let's start with what you started with with the prince albert raiders and uh out here out west i think everybody is kind of navel gazing and wondering what's happening the whl champ has really struggled here the last uh well 13 game winning or losing streak rather what and and searching for answers it's kind of like back when the hockey canada had the summit after struggling at the world juniors and everything uh, stopped and uh, a lot of inner reflection what's going wrong in your opinion why has the WHL champ struggled at the Memorial Cup the last four years? Well, first of all, you're trying to say this could be a pipeline summit, you know, a Western Canada <laughs> uh, pipeline summit. This could be an opportunity here for you. Nice. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think it's, you know, we wondered at first, I know, talking to people, uh, you know, even going back a couple of years to the Windsor Cup and uh, wondered, you know, do the Western Hockey League teams load up as much as the Ontario teams and the Quebec teams do over the years? We saw the Raiders do a bunch of trades at the deadline and certainly, uh, you know, made the big deal with Victoria, for example. But I think, uh, you know, compare that to Guelph and all the moves they did. And I think you could say the, uh, the storm certainly uh, stocked up a lot more than the Raiders did. But and I know there's been discussion. You've had talks with people on social media about the, the grind that is the WHL playoffs compared to even in Ontario, where Guelph to Ottawa is certainly a lot shorter trip than having to go cross country uh, that, uh, you know, or cross half the country that uh, the Western Hockey League teams may have to do going into the championship series. Is this a little bit of a, you know, one of those where we're just getting a little thing and in a couple of years from now we'll be talking about Western Hockey League teams winning this tournament? Quite possible. Junior hockey seems to go in odd cycles. And, uh, you know, I think for PA, the fact that such a, an emotional win in Game 7 on Monday and then to have to turn around and hit Halifax on Wednesday, you know, you know Wednesday night was a late one with the celebration and uh, – celebration we'll say afterwards uh, later on into monday night and tuesday morning i'm sure that's natural after winning your league championship and then to uh, have to ramp it back up again it's not easy to do i think it's maybe a little easier for teams that maybe are able to win their final series a little bit quicker in a four or five game series and then uh, ratchet it back up but uh, you know it's hard to put your finger on exactly why you know because i think there is that combination of maybe uh, not as willing to load up compared to the other leagues at times and then add the travel is sort of a little from column A, maybe a little from column B. Yeah, I agree. There's lots of different ways to look at it. I think you looked at even 10 years ago, the WHL didn't struggle. Um, so maybe it is just a cyclical thing. And 
I mean, if you flip the coin, how many games have we seen in the Memorial Cup over the last 30 years? 200, 300? If you flip the coin 300 times, you'd probably have a stretch of 13 heads or 13 tails somewhere along the way. And maybe that's what we've got right now with the WHL. The, the, the opening game, uh, the, the host will always play the opening game. And that just makes sense. I think the host should be playing the other team from that league though. Um, just because you have two other teams who are traveling greater distances. I don't think, you know, next year when it's in Kelowna, I think it should be Kelowna and whoever the other WHL team is rather than Kelowna and the team from the Q or the team from the OHL. Just, just to save a little bit on that travel. Do you think that's a reasonable uh, adjustment or would that take away from the Tuesday gate because it's a little harder to sell out a Tuesday than, than it is, uh, that when, when you have teams from other uh, conferences? Well, I think you look at this tournament mostly, you talk about the gate. I think in most cases, they look at selling the packages anyway. So yeah. I don't necessarily know if that's the factor. And indeed, you, you know, that the way the format is now. Yeah. Tuesday's the, we'll call it the dud game because it's the, you know, the two non-league teams. And then Wednesday's the big marquee game. So I guess that's the thing. Do you take the marquee game, make it the start of the tournament or make it the last game of the round robin? You know, once again, you could sort of take it either way. And I can understand that idea to give that team one extra day to sort of get acclimatized. And especially when you have, uh, major uh, time zone differences, for example. So, you know, is that an awful idea? No. Is it the uh, perfect, uh, you know, pill, perfect situation? No, pro- you know, who knows? We don't know either way. You know, it's one of those where it's a format that can always be tweaked, but then uh, you end up, uh, you know, really uh, making any major changes. I don't necessarily see that. I think, you know, the marquee games are probably the opener and then that last game of the round robin. And then, you know, if that last game of the round robin is now the host team versus someone from the other league, is that going to make a big difference? Hmm. I don't think it's going to make a huge damper on it one way or the other. All right, uh, let's look at the uh, the three teams that are still uh, left playing in Halifax. Obviously, the Mooseheads moving on. The, the semifinal will be Guelph against uh, Ruin Miranda, and uh, that should be a good game, as it was in the uh, the round-robin portion. Uh, how do you size up that matchup right now? Well, I think it's very interesting. I think the Guelph Storm are a team that, uh, you know, their coach, George Burnett, has uh, made the comment that he'd like to see them tighten up a little bit more defensively, as coaches are uh, one to do and wanting their players to do. He even kind of made a a little crack that he thought his players were playing a little bit like Harlem Globetrotters a couple of times, which for George to even come up with a line like that, who's very deadpan and uh, monotone at times, uh, we were sort of caught off guard a little bit when he came up with that. But, uh, you know, it's a storm team that they're a deep club. They're a club that can play a skilled game, a club that's not a play, afraid to mix it up physically as well. So I think if they play their game, and I think the key for them is to tighten up on the back end because, uh, you know, there's obviously been questions about goaltender Anthony Popovich, but he's lived up to exactly what he's needed to do to backstop and right to an OHL championship. But, uh, you know, is he a goaltender that's going to steal games? Not necessarily, but is he a guy that give him a chance to make that first save and he's going to be in there for you? I think that's where Ruin's going to try and get more traffic on him and try to see if they can get some second chance opportunities like any team would. But, uh, you know, knowing that uh, there are some opportunities there and both teams, of course, are going to learn from the game they played against each other in the round robin. I had a listener uh, send me a question on Twitter about the uh, the Guelph Storm and just the the number of imports that they have on the team. They have five Russian players. Now, only two of them were taken in the import draft. The other three relocated to Canada, what, two, three years before uh, the, 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 uh, the OHL priority selection? Is that how they kind of get around it? Well, that's they do. Fedor Gordiev, though, has been in Canada since he was, I believe, six, okay. eight years old, something like that. That's also why we call him Gordiev. 
and not Gordiev. Yeah. That was actually something we had corrected uh, this year to be clarified for us because, you know, sure, they are Russian descent, but uh, definitely consider themselves a Canadian family. But yes, there have been uh, over the years players that have come to Canada in the two or three years uh, before the OHL priority selection and get themselves in that way. We even go back to Alex Galchenyuk being the first overall pick in the OHL. And then he was a player that, uh, you know, certainly born in the U.S., but spent a lot of time growing up in Russia before they came over. Uh, Nikita Korostolev, a Leaf pick, uh, formerly was another player like that. There have been a bunch, and indeed that was sort of the way to uh, get around the import rules. But uh, no, the Guelph Storm do not have any extra imports or anything like that. And I think we're seeing that a bit more with, you know, diverse families, especially from the Toronto area things like that. But, uh, you know, indeed, we can go through many players over the years that, uh, you know, just because their last name is not Smith or Jones does not mean they're an import. Uh, Sean Dersey, a defenseman leading the tournament in scoring right now. He's in L.A. Kings' second-round pick, or excuse me, a, a Toronto Maple Leafs second-round pick, but property now of uh, of the L.A. Kings. Uh, is this a surprise to see him uh, leading the way in, in scoring? No, I don't think so, because you saw going in basically last year, he really stepped up his game, and that earned him that second-round pick. A guy who was passed over in the NHL draft. And how often do we see that? A player passed over and then becoming a second-round pick. That's unheard of. But uh, with the Owen Sound attack, he really lit it up. And the one thing with Owen Sound, even if they have a really good team, they can still be off the radar a little bit in one of the smallest communities in in the whole country, in the entire CHL, never mind the smallest community in the OHL. So Jersey, a player who, when he's been healthy, has been dominant on the back end, and it helps even more when he's uh, making that first pass to a very loaded offense. He already... Of course, was working with Nick Suzuki and Owen Sound, but add a Radcliffe and add many more. Sam Marukov with them too. No, Sean Dursey's a guy who can definitely put up a lot of points. Scoring those, uh, you know, two goals in the one game against Halifax. You know, anytime a defenseman scores two goals, you kind of, uh, you know, you can't say you expect that. But uh, you know, the fact that he's put up big numbers, I wouldn't say is a big shock because he's a guy that, when he's been healthy over the last two years, has really made a name for himself in the OHL. Alexei Toropchenko, a uh, St. Louis uh, Blues draft pick. He scored uh, 17 goals this year and last year, so not a stranger to put in the puck in the in the net. But outside of the OHL, might not have been a household name. Certainly, uh, made a pretty good splash here at the in Halifax. Oh, I don't think he was a household name necessarily, in even in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, <laughs> but then really took off in the playoffs, and uh, you know, especially uh, late in the playoffs, was really dominant for the Guelph Storm, and uh, you know, was able to carry that right up on through. And then uh, indeed, the St. Louis Blues have themselves a pretty strong prospect. In Torpchenko, but when uh, you know you mentioned his goal-scoring prowess, when you can score 17 in the regular season each of the last two years, and then 13 in the OHL playoffs in 24 games, so approaching your uh, season total over the course of uh, just 24 games in the playoffs really shows a guy who uh, just really stepped up his game and uh, you know was on fire really for the last couple of rounds of the playoffs. And big reason why the Storm were able to uh, make those comebacks and beat the Ottawa 67s is when you have those guys going that maybe you weren't expecting, uh, you know, coming out of the regular season. Torbchenko scores 17 goals in the regular season, so you think, okay, if he gets, you know, five in the playoffs, is that sort of a good pro-rated number, six in the playoffs, something along there. Well, when he goes off for 13, they're like, okay, that's one of those guys, the old uh, the old John Drew story from many years ago where a guy puts up huge numbers in the playoffs and really ups his game from the regular season, and Torbchenko was exactly that for the Storm this year. Uh, Terry, the uh, usual suspects for Guelph have been uh, uh, really strong again. Suzuki and, and uh, Isaac Radcliffe and uh, Mackenzie Entwistle. Has there been somebody who's maybe hasn't shown up uh, or made the impact on the score sheet yet that that we should expect maybe uh, to be a a guy who leads the way? Well, Nate Schnarr has maybe been a little bit quieter than uh, some would have expected. Uh, you know, a guy who put up 102 points in the regular season, but. Uh, 
you know, has maybe been overshadowed a little bit by the Suzuki's, by the Jersey's, by the Radcliffe's players of that ilk. And of course, the way Tarpchenko has played as well. But if he can come along and chip in and then, uh, you know, the Guelph has a lot of guys too that are the, the guys coaches love to see out there. Maybe don't show up on the score sheet as much. Dom Camiso with face-off work, especially on the penalty kill. Uh, Cedric Ralph, uh, a guy who, uh, like George Burnett says, like a dog on a ball, and he's just, uh, you know, all over, does all that hard work. He's not going to put up big numbers, but, you know, he'll chip in here and there. But when he does, you know, 50 points, 21 goals in the regular season, four goals in the playoffs, but does that solid hard work that coaches are looking upon. And those are two guys, uh, you know, I think you look at those two along with Schnarr, certainly are the key guys to really help. And we see this year in and year out, and you know it as well, no matter which of the three uh, junior leagues to win championships, it's those second, third line, even those bottom six forwards that make a huge difference. And some of those guys, especially in Camiso, who was picked up from the Oshawa Generals, Ralph is a guy who's been there uh, throughout the run uh, that Guelph has had building up to this championship team are guys that are big factors. Well, you make a point about uh, secondary scoring being so important. You look at Roy Naranda and, Sure, you expect uh, Jakob Loco to be up there and Joel Teasdale and and, and uh, players like that. But then you see uh, Tyler Heinem, who I was not even on my radar, and uh, he had a big game earlier in the tournament and was one of Roy Naranda's leading scorers at this point. But they've got guys who haven't necessarily delivered on the score sheet quite like they're probably expected to as well, the Huskies. Well, that's exactly. And they just had, you know, I think you look at the way they played to start this tournament, you thought, okay, you're just sort of looking for that extra gear to come out of them. And, of course, you know, Noah Dobson on the blue line is obviously going to be a huge factor for them for their success. And uh, the fans in Halifax definitely know it as he's booed every time he touches the puck uh, out here. And, uh, you know, the old sign of respect when you are booed every time you, uh, you know, they don't boo the irrelevant players every time they get it. And he's a guy that logs a lot of, uh, you know, a ton of ice time. And when it comes to the semifinal, you know, the play is going to go through him a whole lot. And, uh, you know, their big guns need to be their big guns just as Guelph has that. And then the old line, if the big guns neutralize each other, then you look to those secondary guys. And, you know, I think uh, that's the thing with Ruin. They've gotten some guys chipping in, but I think still looking for that, uh, that next year. And, uh, you know, we've seen that throughout this term. You know, they beat PA. And then they, uh, you know, scored that late goal against Halifax to wrap up the round robin when Halifax was just playing, uh, you know, protect a tie game if there's ever such a thing. We saw that in the last game of the round robin where Halifax was totally just looking to protect a 3-3 tie. And even when they gave up that last goal to make it 4-3 down by one, no, they're not pulling the goalie. No, they're just playing kitty by the door once again to not give up another one. So a little bit of a different situation where I think there's still another gear. And I thought Daniel Harvey was fighting the puck the first half of the game against Halifax. Uh, I was down at his end for uh, some of the game, and I just thought he you know, just wasn't crisp. And I think that's where he's going to need to be crisp in the semifinal. Now, when you look at Halifax, uh, and I think experience is really uh, coming to the forefront for them. Antoine Moran, Samuel Aslan, those guys are on fire for the Mooseheads right now. Max Trampania leading them in scoring. But, you know, Raphael Lavoie has only got two points, not to suggest that he's played poorly because he's been all over the ice. Uh, but that experience getting guys who have been here before has, has really seemed to have paid off for the Moosehead. Would you agree? Well, that's exactly it. And I think, you know, they're enjoying the home cooking here. But, uh, you know, yes, uh, you know, Antoine Moran with his three goals so far in the tournament uh, through the round robin. You know, Samuel Aslan, a guy who's uh, certainly not uh, are very familiar with the Memorial Cup time and uh, with two more goals here in this tournament. And uh, a guy who gets his nose dirty, not afraid to mix it up. And, uh, 
not afraid to uh, embellish a little bit if he has to to try and uh, you know get a power play for his hockey club as well. Did I say that politely enough? Yeah. Uh, from, that, from that standpoint, but you know what? Hey, if you can, you take the breaks. You take any opportunity you can get when it comes to the playoffs, and uh, you know I think that's where we go through. And you, know, Bo Grew scores a, a big goal for them in Wednesday night's game as well. So yeah, I think once again, I think every team can say. We've got another gear. We've got a couple more players that can step up, and I think that's where, as we move along, you mentioned Lavoie with one and one so far with the two points in the three games. Does he have a big game in the final, for example? And you know, Alexis Gravel has got to have a big game in goal, just like any goaltender at this point in the season with just three out of sixty teams left in all the uh, Canadian Hockey League. Those are the guys that uh, you know the coaches have called upon and have looked for since either the beginning of the season or a trade deadline situation. You know, this is why you're put in those roles. This is why you're a top six forward or a guy logging a ton of minutes uh, throughout the season. This is why for these big games. Uh, a big showcase event like this. Some of the draft eligible guys are hoping to stand out and, and uh, gain a little extra attention. Uh, Prince Albert had a couple of high profile guys and Brett Leeson and, and Alexi Protus. Neither one of them hit the score sheet. Both of them end at dash four. Uh, outside of Raphael Lavoie, has there been a draft eligible guy that's, that's caught attention there? To me, no. I'm going to be, to be, to be blunt. I don't yeah. see, you know, necessarily a big jump out for this tournament. That's why, you know, talking to some scouts that they didn't, uh, you know, I think the number of scouts that are here is not as high as some years, obviously because of the situation where there just aren't as many uh, big time draft eligibles. But you've, uh, you know, I talked to a few who maybe uh, canceled their flights at last minute or canceled their plans at last minute or just decided to, uh, you know, limit their trip here. And I think that's, you know, just the way sometimes this tournament goes when, of course, championship teams are usually dominated by 19 year olds that have already gone through the draft process and 20 year olds that, uh, you know, to me, there isn't someone who's really jumped off the page to say, uh, okay, now for uh, heading towards the combine and the NHL draft, it's going to have to take another extra look at him. There's nobody, you know, to me that really jumps off the page that way because a lot of the big guns already have uh, NHL teams beside their names. Terry, I picked Guelph uh, to win before the Memorial Cup started. I, I think I'll still go with the Guelph Storm. Uh, but when you had three teams that finished the, the round robin two and one, I mean, this is really close. Who's going to be on top when it's all said and done? Well, I think the one thing is, even when we went into this, like we talked about this in the media center, I think it was uh, before the last game of the round robin where we don't see a clear-cut favorite, where a lot of times at this tournament we do. And now Halifax getting the bye to the final, it helps them, but I find sometimes it can be a little bit of a hindrance where you're sitting around. And I think at least sitting around at home is better because you're used to that during the season. I think it can be a harmful situation to sit around for a long time if you're the road team here at the Memorial Cup. We saw that with Guelph, for example, in 2014 in London, where they did. They sat around and went stir-crazy. And I've seen that, you know, over two decades at this tournament, I've seen that at times where the teams that get two and three or more days off, if they don't use it properly, can go a little stir-crazy. I think, you know, right now, Guelph is certainly a team I would not want to mess with going into a semifinal, but they've got to get through the semifinal first before looking ahead to the championship game. I think maybe Rouen's been uh, lying in the weeds a little bit and might uh, just come along and say, uh, excuse me, we were, uh, you know, top team in Canada uh, down the stretch and uh, made a huge run in the Quebec League all through the season. Don't forget about us. And, uh, you know, the Mooseheads are going to have 9,500 screaming people behind them. And these are people in Halifax that don't need uh, signs on the scoreboard to say, make noise. <laughs> they do it automatically. They do it uh, without being prompted. And uh, when you have that behind them, and I think the Mooseheads, uh, you know, with the, the home comforts and even though having the break, now you're just back into regular season mode where you do have four ga days between games, for example, and can go through that kind of situation. So 
all in all, you know, I hate to sit on the fence too much, but, uh, you know, I think any of these three teams, uh, you know, no matter which one is on the ice, uh, raising the cup come Sunday night, it's not going to surprise me in the least. Excellent. Looking forward to Friday and Sunday for sure. And Terry, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Hey, not a problem. Just watching boats go by. So it's pretty cool. Sitting on a patio, watching the boats go by out in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Terry Doyle, a longtime broadcaster and longtime uh, guest here on the Pipeline Show as well. And uh, very well-spoken, really insightful, always appreciative when Terry is available to come on the program. We go from the Memorial Cup. And if you want my prediction, uh, you know what? Throw my predictions out the window because uh, my pre-tournament predictions, uh, I got the first game right. I picked Halifax to beat Prince Albert on opening night. Might have been the easiest uh, game to predict. After that, I was I was terrible. I mean, I had uh, I had Halifax as the worst team, and they ended up being uh, so far at least uh, straight to the final. So they had the best record uh, through the round robin. So you can take my predictions and uh, burn them. I still I had Guelph uh, winning the tournament. I'll stick with Guelph as I mentioned there with Terry. Up next, we'll recap the Junior A Championship, the National Junior A Championship. In Canada, which uh, happened last weekend in Brooks, Andrew Peard was part of the broadcast crew. He's my guest next here on the Pipeline Show. McKechnie won it, left half boards, McCarr skates down the boards to the corner, stops up there, then got around a defender to the side of the net, cuts in front, shoots and scores! (laughs) A thing of beauty, a work of art, Kale McCarr just took over this whole game dangling a defender out of his skates in the left corner, cutting to the slot untouched. Hey, it's Kale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris wow, and Duncan Keith Goal! and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Favreau all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. 